Who the bloody hell's that? Morning, Ange. Oh, Anthony. How are we? I'm really well. How are you? <laughs> Come on in. I will do, thank you. Did that sound staged? Just a little. No, it's fine. fine, yeah. I'm going to embrace the whole lounge pant thing next time I put my University of New Hampshire lounge pants on. You should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. Hello and welcome to chapter 111 of the Corona Diaries. Good Lord. 111. And we do. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm recording this live from the cockpit of an F111, and I'm, I'm currently heading for Holland at twice the speed of sound. Why Holland then? I'll dub it on. Why Holland? Because years ago, I read that. That just came out of my subconscious. Because years ago, I read, um, I read a report of a, of a, of a guy who was, he was, uh, he was riding aboard a. a, a a light and a lightning jet, and he finished it with uh, heading for Holland at twice the speed of sound. Oh, okay. um, so that's why I said it. That's interesting. It's just a handy place to head to twice the speed of sound. You tend to yeah, run yeah. out of fuel if you go much further. <laughs> yeah, I've often said, "Oh, if we get off now, we'll make the Mexican border by nightfall." Oh, well, you probably would in a in, a, in an F one eleven. Yeah. You'd need mid-air refueling, obviously, not to get too nerdy about it all. Would you? Could you not do Mexico in one? In one, a, one, in one, an F? Oh, not, not in an F one eleven. Not in a No, because they tend no. to run out of fuel. Cause fuel. They've got so one. much oomph. All right, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I need to get to Mexico with that much oomph, though. No, 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 indeed. I'd probably take a slow paddle, to be honest. When you go, when you when you land at Mexico City Airport, you do, they do this thing. I don't know. It must be the sh- the land or something, but they do this thing where they bank really hard to land. And if you're in a if you're in a window by the wing, you can look straight down the wing at the ground. Uh, you know, at Mexico City, which is enormous and sprawling and all the skyscrapers and everything, and you're looking straight down at them, down the wing, and that, that doesn't half rattle your nerves, I tell you. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm quite pleased I've never landed in Mexico. No, it's, it is character building and memorable. And is that true, or is that... No, it's true. I mean, that's, that's really true. Yeah, and I mean, BA aren't running seven four sevens anymore. But but looking down the wing of a seven four seven at the ground, <laughs> you know, at well at Mexico City, which is so huge, it just stretches off in in to the horizon in every direction. You, you kind of think, shit, a brick, you know. But you they know. were my favourite planes, seven four seven. Yeah, me too. I was. I was grief-stricken when they retired. Mm. Those I used to love them. I thought they were the nearest, the nearest thing to magic, you know, that you could point at. Now that's magic. 
Mm. When, if that... The Virgin have still got a few, haven't they? You can still get them at 747. Have on they? Virgin. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, yeah. Good enough yeah. reason to travel with them because they're, yeah. oh, they're fabulous. They are superb. I think they're incredible. Anyway, on to, on to, on to the Corona Diaries proper. I can't oh, say TCD anymore. Is that where we are? Um, <laughs> speaking of the Corona Diaries proper, how, how, how well has Lucy's appearance on the podcast gone down? Extremely well, extremely well. We've had a lot of lot of love. In fact, I, I we should forward th- those messages to her because I I don't know if she can access the message system on on Patreon. You can, can't you? And I certainly I can, get yeah. them, but I don't think she gets them unless I forward them. So we should certainly forward a few of them to her to make her aware of of the love that's coming her way. Mm. Um. She bounced up to me in Lisbon uh, yesterday afternoon and gave me the biggest hug and said, you have just made my life complete because she'd just heard the Bin Day Croomcast. (laughs) (laughs) She was very, very pleased with that. (laughs) Well, to be fair, you've made Chuck's day as well, haven't you? (laughs) Well, I've made his day, but, but having said that, there's probably some kind of writ in the post. Uh, oh no! I think you're fine. Well, right. I think you're fine. Yes, uh, uh, I think you're absolutely, absolutely fine. Not, and I didn't realise that that Chuck and Anna were a were a couple as well. So that's that's provided a link that I didn't know about. No, I didn't know that. But um, no. yeah, yeah, I'm expecting a, a stern note from PRS any day now. I think you're going to be fine. I think you're going to be fine. You did you did handle it with a plomb, if I'm being honest. <laughs> It was one of those, you know. Occasionally, you hear a cover and go, "Well, it's not moved it on a bit." But no, I think you, I think you, you added a little bit as well. I couldn't resist just a little bit of of. I mean, it, it was meant as light-hearted, but but the way it sat on the minor chords, it, it, <laughs> there was just a little bit of a, a jerk of the heartstrings with the bit of melancholy, isn't there? In there, the new verse I wrote, yeah, the the mm. uh, sort of turned it on its head a little bit and made it a bit sad, didn't it? You see, I just can't help it. No, no, that's who you are. Anyway, um, we for one eleven. Um, all references to jet fighters aside, we're mm. going to do a few Q and A questions. So, for those of you that don't subscribe to the podcast, uh, you won't get the extra content. And part of the extra content we deliver every month is we deliver a. Uh, we deliver a Q&A. So people leave questions on the uh, guest book at the stevehogarth.com uh, website. And once a month we get together and we go through half a dozen questions and we wrap it all up and we send it out to the um, subscribers to the to the podcast. So we've been doing one of those. And because we've had so many really great questions, we thought, you know what, let's, let's, let's do an episode of questions to give you a bit of a flavour of the kind of thing that we do, as I say, for the Purples every month. So... I'm gonna, I've got about half a dozen questions to dive through. We'll still do some diary and we'll, we'll still decide how to wrap it up after that. But, but we're going to dive straight into questions. And I'm going to kick off with this one from Carla, who doesn't tell us where she's from and doesn't give us a second name. She might be Portuguese, Carla, from a fan club. I know her, Carla, if, if it's her. Well, well when I read the question, maybe there's a reason why she's not given a surname and where she's from. Okay. What in your life do you carry the most guilt over? For me, it's my divorce and my behaviour in the years before it, which might be why she's not told us exactly who she is. 
So there we have it. What in your life do you carry the most guilt over? Hmm. Yeah, probably absolutely the same one, Carla. Exactly the same right stuff. there with you, my darling. Um, probably uh, my my I've, my divorce. Um, not so much my divorce because I think that was kind of on the cards and and you can blame yourself but it's if you get divorced from someone it's it's because it's not working for either of you um at that point the point where you actually split up and walk is is when is when it's not working and so not so much guilt over the actual split um but but what had led to it was my lifestyle and the way I'd responded to my lifestyle and, and the um, the pressures of of um, doing what I do and, and being away from home so much. Um, I'm also extremely guilty to this day of, of the amount of time that I've I've have to spend apart from my my kids particularly. Um, it was worse in the old days in, in so many ways. Um, when, when Sophie and Nal were growing up, uh, Marillion were touring really intensely back then. There was no internet, there was no FaceTime, there was precious little in the way of phoning home because it was so expensive. There were no mobile phones. Uh, so it really was, a, you know, a case of vanishing. And then coming back and I missed I missed them growing up, you know. I missed a lot of those magic moments that parents have watching their, their kids grow up. Um, I was like a stone that just skimmed on the sea, you know, and I'd, I'd, I'd be in and, and, and then I'd be gone again. And I'm sure that hurt both my kids, uh, both Sophie and Niall. And I'm sure it probably eats away a little bit at a meal. Um, it's not nearly so bad as it was, but uh, I feel I feel guilt over that. I think parents feel guilt over things uh, that you know some things probably don't bother their kids one iota, but it doesn't stop you feeling bad about it. Um, so it's that really. I think that one's. I mean, that's fairly normal. I mean, I worked. I, you know, I worked on the road a lot. I spent about 100, 120 nights away a year from home and, you know, just doing what I did. Yeah. And and you can't. And the thing, the other thing is that when you're doing that, you're often staying in nice hotels. You're often jetting around quite a lot. You're obviously, you're often entertaining, having nice meals. You know, there's sort of the whole manner of things. It's not just that you're away. It's that actually you're, you're often away and enjoying yourself. Yeah. And then you feel guilty. Well, I, I said it, didn't I? And the leavers, you know. I know that you know. I know that you know that I pray for the phone call that takes me away, um, and uh, that's true. And my, you, you know, my wife and my kids both knew that I was yearning to leave <laughs> within a very short time of getting home, um, and that's horrible. But that's just how how it is. If if, if you're a circus person, it, it gets into your blood, and then when you're not on the road. You know, it's a relief for a few days, but then it gets itchy, and you mm. you you miss it. You know, and you want to go. 
Um, you miss the movement, you miss the travel, you miss the waking up in a new city every day and you miss, obviously, to some degree, you miss the adulation, you miss people telling you you're great um, or they don't have to tell you, you know, you know that's how they feel and that's a, obviously a good feeling. Um, there's downsides to it, which you've also sung about, but... Um, it it is a very fortunate position to be in, and you know, to for me, I, I've always loved singing live. For me, the the point of singing was was to to sing to a room full of people, or you know, even if it was only ten people in it. Um, that was the that's my thing. So I missed that as well, but it does riddle you with guilt over the over the years. As a bit of a follow-on to that, um, Julie H. from Bedford, Mass. Um, hi, H. Hi, Ant. Hi, Julie. How are you? Uh, really looking forward to Montreal. This will be our 11th convention, um, and each one fills my heart and soul with such great energy. Um, but the older I get, the longer it takes me to recover. So my question to you, how long after a convention weekend does it take you to come back to reality? It's kind of a little bit of this, well, half of the same coin, isn't it? Yeah, I I recover very quickly now. Um, I really do. I, I think I've just got used to it. You know, I got got used to that adrenaline kick, um, and then coming down from it. Um, I come down a lot quicker than I used to when I was younger. I'd be um, you know, it would take it would well. It would take me all night to come down from being on stage. Uh, I'd find it hard to sleep. Um, you know, I'd find it hard to just be in a hotel room on my own within forty minutes of being on a stage. That's a very weird f- feeling. Um, you know, the, the complete lack zero affirmation zero people zero excitement total loneliness within 40 minutes of the other end of the scale the frenzy uh is is what i'm sure is what drives a lot of artists to sitting in bars for hours afterwards you know and taking lots of drink and drugs and just trying to keep it going um because the shock of it stopping so so suddenly is 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 is, is, is takes some handling, but I'm much better at it now. I can, um, in fact, I'm all, I almost go the other way now, where uh, I'll get back to my room, open my laptop, stick an old old uh, episode of Have I Got News for You off off the uh, off the YouTube up, uh, get into bed, and just feel wonderful um, because I'm. Alone and quiet and in another place. Um, and coming home, um, I've, I'm really used to that now. So, so the answer is I, 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 I come down from it really quickly now. And um, I think if I, thought, if I thought there was nothing else coming up, that's a harder feeling. For instance, mm. at the moment, you know, I'm done with Lisbon and I've come home to good weather, which is nice. And I just feel 
great. You know, it's nice to be home. Um, it's nice to be back at peace. I've just, I've just fixed the Hoover. I feel good about that. <laughs> and I'll probably Hoover the stairs later and rejoice in the in the fact that the Hoover now works. And that'll be my idea of a good time. But 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 mainly because I know Montreal's coming. So in you know in three weeks' time we're getting on, getting on the big bird and flying over the big ocean, um, for a, a few days of adjusting to the jet lag in Montreal, and I know how that'll be. I've done that before. Uh, it's the jazz festival over there. It'll be boiling hot. We're doing it later in the year than we normally do it, um, so it will be enough to boil your head off. And the jazz festival will be raging in the street, so it'll be vibrant. You know, it won't be cold and icy and like it sometimes can be. Um, it should be quite something. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. So the 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 come down is easier if you've got something to look forward to than it is if if you know, at the end of a tour when you're just done. Uh, then that's a stranger feeling. I've, I mean, I've spoken to you half a dozen times while you've been on tour to do this, and you do seem fairly content when you're in that hotel room. You've not, you don't, you know, every time we've chatted, you've not seemed like you were on edge or you wanted to be somewhere else or you were a bit down or any of those things. No, I'm, I'm, I'm good with my own company. Funnily enough, although I wasn't on my own that long after I split up with Dizzy, uh, after the first the first separation which led to the first divorce um it was weird being alone cuz i i and you know and i and i used to i i think i've said this i used to go through the door when i got in from the studio at night and shout honey i'm home just for a laugh you know <laughs> out of out of sarcasm cuz i got nobody um and I found it quite hard. Um, but then I sort of got used to it. And s- since then, I've been a lot, I've found it a lot easier to cope with my own company than I used to. And I, I do enjoy being on me Todd and just pottering about. You do potter as well, don't you? I mean, when, you, when you're on the road, you, do, you will go for a coffee and you'll go for a wander and you'll park yourself in a, in a you know, in a, in a, coffee shop for three or four hours and read or watch the world go by or do a bit of diary or do whatever and happily just soak in the the place that you're at. Yeah, part of my essence is, and I think I've always been like this since I was a kid, part of my essence is observing other people and holding a mirror up to them and absorbing how they are and what motivates them and pondering pondering their happiness and their misery and their, um, all, all of that, you know, and that's that's probably what makes me a writer because I've always got my antenna up for other people's feelings and other people's lives. And even if I don't know, I, I'll have romantic notions of, of them, you know. I'll, what was it Paul Simon said? I said, be careful, his bow tie is really a camera. Mm. Um, 
So I have all of the little, all of the little entertaining fantasies as well about people being possible, possible Mossad. <laughs> so I love being out and about and just just watching people and you know, look at this bloke here. Oh, I bet he's off to do blah 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 and do this. And I bet I can imagine what he like. Yeah, I bet he listens to this music. And I bet blah 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 blah, which is all rubbish, but. It, it's very entertaining and, uh, and you know I've had songs come from from those from those observations and those little fantasies um Hannah Preston um who's in Derby good morning H good morning um, darling what's the most unusual media source that have ever interviewed you I've seen interviews with musicians in photography magazines, school textbooks, and even adult magazines. Mm. I'm wondering what the oddest interview is that you've done. Cheerio. Well, the oddest, oddest media, um, I mean, in that from from her list, I've def, I've done interviews on more than one occasion for Playboy magazine. And believe it or not, they've been some of the best interviews I've done. They've they've been interviews with guys who who were knowledgeable, who knew about the music, and wanted to hear about it. You know, um, and that you know infinitely more interesting than you know the Daily Mail, the or, Daily Mail. or 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 any of those, um, any of the dailies. Um, so I've always enjoyed, you know, if if I get a request from Playboy magazine, I don't can't, I don't think, oh god, Playboy magazine. I think, oh, Playboy magazine is probably going to be a good one. Um, the the strangest interview I ever did was with Matthew Wright, you know, and the guy off the telly from the Wright stuff. He's a bit of a chum, um, and when he was way back in the way back, and he was a rookie sort of journalist. Somebody, or I don't know if it was him, but it, it, so, someone thought it would be a great idea to interview, to, for him to interview me in a flotation tank. Mm. So they put me in a flotation tank down a road in St John's Wood, somewhere near Abbey Road. And I was in, I was in there floating on this salt solution, stark naked, and uh, he, he was sat outside interviewing me through the glass. <laughs> and I, I don't think there's been a weirder one than that. Um, but, I never quite under. I've ne- at no point have I understood when that was discussed somewhere, and somebody said that's a great idea. Why nobody then went? Yes, but why? Just why? We used to have this press girl called Sandra Casali at EMI and she was the right character, I really liked her. And I would have done anything for her and she just said, why don't you do that? And I, of course I will. Course, <laughs> that was that, right. really. <laughs> what? <laughs> there was none of that. She said, yep, what time? Um, right. I'd have done anything for Sandra. Um, but... Um, does that stem back to your European days? You know, in the Europeans, you pretty much would... I mean, you did, you know, you'd do anything at that point, wouldn't you? Yeah. We kind of... We wouldn't have gone on Stark Naked, but we we did just about everything else, you know. We we, we went on in, you know, tights and looking like Rudolf Nureyev and the, we went, we went, you know, in pubs. 
<laughs> in yeah. London. We didn't give yeah. a toss. And um and you know, and all of the, the gymnast outfits and all of that that the that we that we were wearing in the animal song. We used to do shows like that. Um so yeah, there was always a bit of devil may care. I like bands that do mad shit just for the crack, you know. I mean, I love, I loved what David Byrne was doing on uh, the Stop Making Sense tour in the in the Big Sues and all of that. Um, and um, who else? You know, bands that just uh, the Flaming Lips are great because. They just get a vibe going in whatever way they they can, whether they're performing in 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 those inflatable balls, or uh, we did a we did a uh, a festival with the Flaming Lips, and they'd got all their crew dressed up as superheroes, and I knew one of them, uh, Mickey uh, Mickey Brown, who used to be a guitar tech with How We Live. And then got him dressed up as Superman, and he'd got all the padded muscles, the the padded muscle suit on, and the cape and everything. And all that crew were dressed up as different, different superheroes, just for the crack, yeah. <laughs> just so that when they came on with the guitar, you know, oh, that would be Wonder Woman giving um, giving giving that bloke a guitar. Then great, all for it. They are Welsh, though, aren't they? The Flaming Lips are they? I thought they were American. No, I think they're Welsh, aren't they? I don't know. Well, I'm going to have to check that. We'll have to look look them up. Hang on two seconds, folks. We'll just check about... We'll check about the... I thought they were Welsh. I I bet I'm going to be really wrong. No, you're right, they're American. Why did I think they were Welsh? A bunch of Americans. No, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you're confusing them with... uh, What's their face? With somebody who's Welsh. Exactly. Tom Jones. (laughs) 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 <laughs> I don't know why I thought they were Welsh. Any, oh, anyway, beautiful, let's crack on. Beautiful superhero crew they have, the flaming lips. <laughs> I won't lie to you. Um, <laughs> yes, crack it. Let's, let's, let's crack, crack on. Let's crack on. Before I diet, digress beyond my own brain. Yes, there's bound to be an accent involved. Right, Chai from Walsall. Ah, Chai. Hello, Chai. Hello, mate. Hello. Hello, Chai. It's said there are five love languages, mm-hmm. uh, also known as five ways that people prefer to express love and receive love. And they are, according to Chai, words of affa- affirmation, quality time, gift giving, acts of service, and physical touch. Mm-hmm. How do you express love? Does it differ between different people? Yeah, that's interesting. I read that, Chai. Um... I know that's been up on the side of a while and it did make me think. And it made me ashamed as well because I I think I'm found wanting on a lot of those levels. I don't think I don't, I don't think I do give give nearly as much as as I I ought to. Um how do I express love? Well I don't know, but by moaning mostly. <laughs> but I think you're always a good one. I think your point is that that you know that's the exact wrong thing to do, uh, <laughs> and that I should. Um, so it pulled me up and made me think I must must try harder with the with the affirmation um, rather than you know 
picking holes and criticising, which I often do. So I feel bad about that. Um, you're, good, you're good with the kind of the gift-giving and the acts of service, aren't you? I mean, take, take all those birthday cards you write. Yeah, well, that's, that's my way of just saying thank you and spreading hmm. the love around, I suppose. Um, so, but I mean, I've said many, many times about that in jokingly. Well, it was your idea, but I'll say it seriously now. It was your idea. <laughs> well, I just thought if so, somebody's going to send us their money, we, they should get something back that's you know that means something, hmm. um, rather than just you know what anybody else would do. Um, yeah, but we could have sent them a Tonics tea cake. You actually write these out and. Yeah, you know, put them in the post box. I do. And I, do. I do. Um, yeah, I guess maybe I'm being too hard on myself, but uh, it's good to be. Well, no, carry on being hard it's on good yourself. To be hard it makes on for better yourself. entertainment. <laughs> uh, I'm not. I don't think I'm. I'm the best at at showing love. Really, I've got a lot of love in me, and I, I'm sure everybody out there can sense that, and it comes out in my art. Um, Living with me, or maybe even working with me, is is a is. I'm not such a walk in the park, you know, in that sense, because I'm a perfectionist, and I'm so focused on, on you know, on the music and the words and and getting it right and uh, having what I need in order to to work and, and, and do what I do can make me quite a difficult person to live with because I'm always, I've got this laser-like um, drive. Um, so I'm I'm a big box ticker. I'm always ticking boxes and I'm kind of, can, I'm, I'm a bit, um, I'm a bit hard on the people around me if they're not ticking the boxes at the same speed as I am. Um, but, that's not a way of showing love, is it? Um, so I feel quite chided by Chai, if you'll pardon the pun. Um, and I must do better. I mean, on the other hand, maybe I'll just, you know, we, maybe there's only so much love any, anybody's got and mine tends to get wrung out of me like a cloth. Uh, and I So... Maybe, maybe maybe I kind of run dry a bit, and and I, I'm I'm subject to receiving so much love as well, an unnatural amount. It's not natural to be loved and receive as much love as I get, um, which is beautiful and wonderful, but sometimes quite hard to cope with. Um, so maybe I'm in. Maybe in terms of what you're saying, Chai, which is I think is true, um, maybe I'm I I I can't conform with it because I'm a freak. I didn't know how you were quite going to finish that off. I didn't think you were going to go there, <laughs> but I think it's it's fine. I also like chided by Chai. <laughs> I think that's brilliant. Um, we'll break off for a bit of diary there. Um, thank you for the questions. Chai, uh, Hannah, uh, Julie, and first one was Carla. Thanks for the questions. Um, we, we've got the diary is going to, it's the 14th and 15th of May uh, 2004. It's going to take us, you're going to be on the road first. 
to Prague. Uh, going to take us to Prague. That was a hellish journey. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, well, I have a couple of questions about that when we get back. But I'll let you take us on a bus first and foremost. Forget about us. Put the blame on me. Yes. Here it comes. Friday, 14th of May, Malmo to Prague. It's my birthday, 40, again, and never been kissed. Two of the previous three statements are lies. As I got out of the shower after the Malmo show, I noticed it was 12.30. Officially now, May the 14th, hooray! Quenna magically produced two bottles of champagne and the band clinked glasses and wished me happy birthday. Much looning about ensued, including a brief reappearance of Jack's wilder side, something not seen too often these days, but as soon as he started juggling with an orange, an apple and his cell phone, the memories came flooding back. Eventually wobbled onto the bus. I sat at the front for a while and drank a beer before crashing into bed. Woke up at various points of the morning to the jiggling of my phone as texts just kept coming in. Kept going back to sleep as I had decided to have God's own lie-in. Got up around 12.45 to realise that I'd now slept through more than half of my birthday. I vaguely remembered the sounds of the bus pulling onto and then departing a ferry at some point in the middle of the night. When I went to bed I was in Sweden. Now we're somewhere on one of Germany's autobahns. Not long after I rose, the bus pulled into a motorway services. Great. I could wash and clean my teeth and have a little breakfast stroke lunch. Oh dear. Turns out that this particular facility is undergoing renovation. The toilets were round the back and of the temporary building site type. One of the cubicles contained something so vile that anyone entering it immediately spun round and left again. I wasn't going to look. Cleaned my teeth and hurried out in the hope of sitting down to a spot of birthday lunch. The restaurant was closed and the only hot food on offer was to be found in a little kiosk where a steely-eyed woman was selling sausages and coffee. There was a choice of two kinds of sausage, both of identical German sausage shape but one of slightly darker complexion than the other. I went for the darker one which was served with a little dry bread and mustard and sat down at a formica table with a coffee. I was joined by our truck driver, Simon Lake, who had, by coincidence, arrived at the same place. These German sausages, they're the worst, he quipped to all-round groans from band and crew. Oh well, not exactly a slap-up birthday feast then. Halfway down the sausage, my phone rang. It was none other than Dave Megan, our producer, friend and all-round top bloke. He'd called from England to wish me a happy birthday. He says he's going to try and make the Dublin show. I hope he can. Most of our music owes its sound and character as much to him as it does to us. We returned to the bus around 2pm and on the way across the car park I chatted with Simon who told me about the film A Beautiful Mind which he'd recently watched on DVD. He said it was great and went off to the truck to lend it to me. Climbed onto the bus, stuck it on the DVD player in the upstairs lounge and watched it for the next three hours or so. 
He was right. It's a great and compelling movie, with an extraordinary and brilliant lead performance from Russell Crowe throughout. Highly recommend it. Halfway through the movie, my phone rang, and it was my old chum Dave Crawshaw from Doncaster, now Sheffield, calling to wish me happy birthday. That was sweet of him. I probably sounded a bit distracted by the movie. Sorry, Dave. As the film drew to a close, I had a look out of my window, where the stunning sight of old Dresden presented itself. We were on a bridge over the river and overlooking the old ornate buildings. This place must have rivalled Paris and Vienna until the last war, when much of the city and its inhabitants were incinerated by the RAF in a single night. War. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. When will we ever learn that violence only leads to obscenity, sorrow and a mess which takes decades to recover from? Oh well. Here in 2004, Dresden is subject to more mundane and universal problems like Friday evening traffic jams. And we were in the mother of traffic jams. It took us nearly two hours to get from one side of Dresden to the other, pushing our original ETA of 5.30 in Prague to 7.30. I texted Sue, who was already there and had been waiting for me all day, to let her know the bad news. She took it well, understanding that there really was nothing I could do except sit on a hot bus with 17 similarly sweaty blokes and wait until we got there. After a seemingly unending journey along winding narrow roads through hilly and beautiful countryside, sometimes looking like Devon, sometimes looking like Switzerland, we finally arrived in Prague and made our way across the most enormous flyover, which literally flew over the rooftops of much of the city far below. The flyover spans a huge valley, and the feeling looking out of the bus window was exactly that of looking out of a light aircraft at the city below. Sod's law dictates that as we stumbled into the reception area of the hotel at 7.45, we were just beaten to it by an entire coachload of Japanese tourists who a hapless receptionist was unsuccessfully trying to check in in front of us. Fortunately for me, at least, Sue already had a room. Unfortunately, I didn't know the number. Fortunately, I could call her on the cell phone. Unfortunately, she wasn't answering it. Kept trying and eventually got hold of her and took the lift up to my room, where all I really wanted to do was take a shower and give her a long overdue cuddle. Not an option, of course, as I'd been told that an interview with a Prague radio station was imminent. I was supposed to have already been at the radio station between 7.30 and 8 o'clock for a special show dedicated to the band. Dresden had put paid to that. So Quinna had rescheduled the interview by phone and the DJ was already on the line. I tried to sound intelligent and give the impression that I was having a great birthday in Prague, but it involved a lot of imagination and less than total honesty. The interview finally ended and I made it into the shower. Sue had ordered ice cream in honour of my birthday arrival at 5.30, which was melted into lukewarm mush. I ate it anyway, and it was lovely. She'd also brought me loads of birthday cards from home. Typically, Niles was the funniest. A long declaration of love and the fact that I was undoubtedly the best dad in the world, and then signed, From your deluded son, Niall. I'm still laughing about it. 
He'd also bought me a pair of Manchester United underpants, several sizes too small. If they don't fit, can I have them, he said, as I called to thank him. What a top boy. Sophie had gone out for the night and had vanished off radar. Tried several times in vain to call her. Sue and I later went out into Prague to have dinner. We took the metro into the old town and found a little old restaurant where the food turned out to be excellent. Afterwards, we walked across the famous old Charles Bridge, across the river, past the fire-eaters and beggars who kneeled down with their heads bowed to the ground. It must hurt. I didn't have any Czech currency at all, and I don't suppose they'd have had much use for Norwegian kroners that inexplicably I've ended up with. The view in both directions from the bridge is totally stunning and as gothic a dream as you could have. Floodlit cathedrals hover in the sky on the dark hills and ornate domes and spires abound in every direction. We stopped and had coffee at the little open restaurant on the far side of the bridge where the naked flames of old gothic lanterns dance into the night. The staff were welcoming and friendly despite the lateness of the hour. As we drank our coffee in the candlelight, we marvelled at the medieval waterside buildings. I could see an old water wheel in the darkness set alongside huge old stone castle walls. What a place! Unfortunately, Prague has become something of a haven for the Brit stag and hen party weekend crowd since the budget airlines began flying here. Food and drink are cheap if you've got pounds sterling, so it's now common to encounter gangs of our leery fellow countrymen staggering around, demonstrating England's lad culture to the bemused Czechs. Ah, I'm so proud. Saturday, 15th of May. Prague, Lucerna Hall. Woke at 11.30. The phone rang and it was the dulcet tones of Lord B, who was making sure I was going to make the 12.30 departure from reception. Dizzy seemed even more tired than me and didn't stir as I rolled out of bed. There was a text on my phone from none other than Andy Gangadine, which simply said, Fancy a spot of breakfast, love? He was here in the hotel. What a prince. I hurried downstairs and discovered him at the bar with his girlfriend, Louise, having a spot of breakfast and beer. These kids know how to drink. They insisted I join them in a beer, and so I accepted whilst realising this was the first time I'd ever rolled out of bed in a morning and opened a beer. It's come to this. Better watch myself. I don't suppose you're a proper artist till you're a confirmed alcoholic and registered drug addict with a string of divorces behind you. But so far, I've been hoping to avoid the stereotype. It was such a nice gesture for Andy to come out. Andy drummed on my third H-Pan tour and we've become good friends. If only the world were made of such people, there would be unimaginable and brilliant art everywhere. Everyone would have a big heart, humility, a sense of humour to match their sense of honour, and everyone would be as cool as fuck. God bless you, Andy G. We had to rush off to a record store in town where we were booked for a signing session. We made our way into the building and were announced to the stage by a guy who sounded exactly like a horse race commentator. A bit like listening to the Grand National in Czechoslovakian. You'd have to have been there. 
signed record sleeves for an hour or so and then walked through the town to another curious small mall-type place where there is the most amazing and bizarre centrepiece of a sculpture which consists of a horse suspended upside down in the air by its hooves with its neck curling backwards and downwards and its head lolling lifelessly open-mouthed and tongue out. Sitting astride the underside of the horse, the right way up, is a knight in full battle armour. Mighty surreal, and probably inspired by some ancient Czech folklore. I was so enthralled by this that I didn't realise the band had already been announced to the VIP reception in a nearby bar. I was hurried along and projected at high speed into a place where everyone was clapping. I recognised most of the assembled throng as they were nearly all UK fan club members and familiar US fans. Out of the few unfamiliar faces, one particular guy with a grand countenance and a millionaire's beard stood out as the obvious VIP. I said hello to him and he quipped something in return. Seems to be a character. Turns out he was the promoter. The show that night was great if sparsely attended. At one point, I thought someone had said we hadn't got paid for it. Could have done the joke, does anyone know how to get cash out of a cheque? The man with the millionaire's beard did pay us, and it's a crap joke anyway. And we're back! Hooray! <laughs> Um, and I've only got a couple of questions. Uh, and obviously, is this the first... It can't be the first diary entry we've done on your birthday. We must have done previous birthday entries. Must have done. I don't know. I don't know. I do remember that day being particularly... Um, Shit. Well, it started off all right. You know, we're on the bus and we're tinkering along and then Dave Megan found me up and that made me... I was really touched that he, he'd remembered. Um, it's a shame the services was closed. <laughs> Because I was, I was anticipating a slap up lunch, and I ended up with a sausage, um, and then uh, we hit that dreadful traffic in um, Dresden, and everything stopped for about two hours, and as has happened more than once, uh, my my poor ex wife was in a hotel waiting for me to arrive on my birthday, um, and I turned up. Instead of turning up at sort of tea time, which is when I told her I'd turn up, I think I'd turn up about half past ten. And the day was almost over and, you know, we we couldn't have dinner together. There was nowhere to go. It was too late. It was it was a drag. And I was fed up and pissed off and frustrated, you know, and riddled with guilt and cro- generally cross at the world, uh, which isn't the best frame of mind to greet someone in. And I'm sure she wasn't delighted either. So that's just how it can be, you know. That's how it used to be, and that's the, they were the nails in the coffin of the marriage, really, one at a time. It was tough. It was tough. Well, it was a hell of a day anyway, even before the day started. It, it, it was one of those days you look at and you go, well, that that's not going to end well, because I did a quick Google search, and Malmo to Prague... <laughs> it's a bloody long way. Is 837.8 kilometres. <laughs> right. So already, it's, it's, it, to me, that's looking like a day that's got 
going to go wrong written all over it. Yeah, even if you've got a Ferrari, let alone a bloody tour bus <laughs> that, that does 60 miles an hour flat out, yeah. So, so it already, it already was like, oh dear, they're pushing the luck a bit here. Um, what was also interesting was that, and I was knocked out by this. The train, if you took the train, and it was a number of trains, not just one train. If you took the train, it would have taken thirteen hours, right? Mm. The fastest train, which would have been quite nice actually. Yeah. Hours on the train. Mm. But here's the here's the thing. Today, if you if you booked that train today, prices start at thirty eight pounds eighty nine p. Wow, that's cheap. I mean, to go from Malmo to Prague. Wow, which is probably what it'll cost you to go from London to Coventry, or maybe even cheaper than that. London to Banbury could probably cost you thirty-eight quid. That, which I just think is astonishing. So that I'm wondering, next time round, you perhaps ought to jump on the train. Yeah, yeah, and and take my passport. And take your passport, and then your ice cream might not have melted. Yeah, and I won't end up in prison. <laughs> All of those things. Two positives there, two win-wins there. Your ice cream won't be melted, and you won't end up in prison. <laughs> Top tips from Anthony Shaw. Things I should have done. <laughs> things you should have done. Um, it, I mean... I know I said it sounded a bit like a shit day. I kind of got that because of the journey and because I think presented with a single sausage, having cleaned your tea, teeth in a in, in a motorway service toilet, which which already just makes me it makes me go ugh. Happy birthday to you. Yeah, but I think the gig the gig ended up all right, didn't it? Next day the gig was all right. Yeah, the gig was. Good. I don't think we ever got. You liked pa- Prague, didn't you? I don't think we ever got paid for it. Um, it was one of those. Well, there were certain parts of the world we used to go to that we never really, you know, you kind of do them, and then the money wouldn't arrive. And, and I think that was one of those. Um, but yeah, I loved Prague. Yeah, it's an incredible. Um, it's like a dream. Um, hmm. I've never been. Is it as gothic as? It's really, really gothic, yeah. it's. I mean, Krakow is pretty gothic, but Prague is on another level. Prague is, is basically where all the gothic imagery that you think of when you close your eyes it, it came from in the first place. I think that whoever put it in the movies, you know, whoever planted all of those visions in your mind um, probably went to Prague and cracked on from there. It, it's... It's amazing. It's I mean, it's a great place to be at Christmas because it's really cold, you know, and the snow and and the the architecture is is you know the the essence of Christmas. Um, in the, in the summer, it's it, it's amazing too. It's it, it it's warm and sunny and lovely, and th- there's all that incredible medieval architecture everywhere and the 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 um the albert bridge is is amazing because it has all those spooky uh statues dotted along it like um something out of narnia um and um wenceslas square and all of that nothing's more christmas than good king wenceslas um Amazing, amazing place. Yeah, well worth well worth a visit if you can mm. if you can tune out all the stag parties. 
you know, the drunk, drunken English folk staggering about because the beer's cheap. If you can zone yeah. them out, then it's quite something. Yeah, Prague's going to have to go on the list. Uh, it does come across in the diary, actually. You, you, the the ambience of the place really did, really did come across. So it, it must be that wasn't your first visit to Prague, though, was it? I don't think so. No, I think that was the second or third time I'd been. Mm. Mm. But you've got a quite an affinity for it now, obviously. Mm. Yeah, lovely. Cool. Maybe, you know, I've only ever seen the band once abroad, and that was in Germany. Maybe I ought to make an effort and go to a show in Prague. If we have one. If you have, have yeah. Yeah, well, well, as I say, we didn't get paid for the last one, and that put us off a bit. Uh, but if, if, we, if, we get, if we get the money up front, we'll be there. Right. We, what was the other place we did? We did Sofia as well in... Um, Where's Sophia? Um, what's that the capital of? Oh. I should know that. Come on, come on, Purples. What's the what's Sophia the capital of? I mean, I named my blinking daughter after her, and I can't I can't even remember the country. <laughs> Bulgaria. Bulgaria. Um, we played there, and that was, you know, the, the, those countries are still really different. You know, the, you go a lot of places and you, you're in different cities, different parts of the world, and they're all kind of the same these days because they all have the mall and they all have the same shops and the body shop and this and that and Marks and Spencers. Um, but um, then you go to certain places and you, you walk around and go, now I'm somewhere else. Mm. And um, Sophia was a bit like that as well. And um, I'll never forget the, the dead body in the street. We went, we went to a, we went to a restaurant, and as we were walking into this restaurant, which was very nice and had been recommended, and I think the promoter took us there, and there was just a tarpaulin on the street with a with a human hand sticking out of it, <laughs> and people were just stepping over it and going in to have dinner. Uh, and you think, well, you don't see that in England. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> well, maybe you do. <laughs> I've never seen. <laughs> you were born and raised in Johnny. I know, but you know, at least, at least they put a bit of a, a fence around a corpse. You know, they put a few bollards around it or something. But in Sofia, you just stepped over it. You know, uh, at least uh, they put a few bollards around the corpse. <laughs> what a great. Episode title, that's going to be. Well, we perhaps ought to stop there you, you know, before it see, really degenerates. You don't see bollards around a corpse <laughs> so much. It is a good title. <laughs> I think it's, I think Chai, Chai to buy Chai was good, but I think it's just been trumped. <laughs> right, well, I'll see you for 112. All right, matey. Well, I enjoyed that. Yes. I think I think for one twelve we might talk a little bit about um, happiness is the road. Right. Yes. Of course. God, That's I'm going to have to next try and in our remember album, that. Troll. Yes. Blimey. So uh, there you are. Have a think about those two. Mm. The uh, the old uh, the old accompany the you know. I might go and put it on because I never I never listen to our music and so when I do put something on, it is. You know, it's 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 like I wasn't remotely involved in it, and so it's always interesting. I'll go and have a listen. Right, I'll see. You, I'll see you next time. Thanks, right. folks. We we will catch up with you uh, for one twelve. Thanks, everybody. Um, and uh, if you're driving home tonight, walk.
for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production. <laughs>